When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. He's Greg, I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. And, of course, betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. Well, Greg, of course, we know what we're talking about this week. Yesterday was cut-down day. Uh, First question for you, any moves that might have been a surprise? Well, going through the releases, um, you know, I would say that, and, and you know, I'm just going to go right through the list. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not shocking. It's disappointing. Devin Asiasi. Um, yeah. You see her Durant um, on the offensive line. He was a sort of a guard tackle combo. I mean, I didn't have him on my team, but it was, I, they gave up a late round pick. I think it was last year for him. Um, sort of a veteran. Um you know, a mild, not, I mean, he wasn't on my list, so I don't even say it's a surprise, but it's notable. James Ferentz, not a surprise. I, I would expect him to be back. He's a veteran. Veterans with at least four years of experience don't have to pass through waivers. So they can just say, the Patriots can just say, hey, look, if we release you to get some guys to the roster, will you sign back with us? And they say, yeah, I don't want to leave. So it works out sort of like, Brian Hoyer and Nick Folk last year. So I assume Ferentz will be one of those guys. Arlington Hambright, I really liked a lot. Um, He would have been my choice sort of on the interior as a backup guard. For now, the Patriots have gone with Jason Hines, the rookie. Um, We'll discuss him a little bit more in a second. Um, uh, Let's see, Kevin Harris, the, the draft pick at running back. Not a surprise he didn't do much. Uh, I would say little Jordan Humphrey. I had him off my 53, but I know the Patriots really like him. Again, a veteran. I would not be surprised if he's back and probably elevated to the active roster for the Dolphins game. Um, Cam McGrone, the draft pick, not a surprise. Had him off. Terrence Mitchell, not a surprise. Had him off. But, you know, they're very limited cornerback, which we will talk about. Uh, Trey Nixon was a was a hero in training camp or the preseason, uh, sort of faded, not consistent catching the ball. LeBron Ray was sort of if I had to say which which move am I shocked by or not shocked but surprised by LeBron Ray, the undrafted free agent out of Alabama, who I thought to, in my mind he can clearly play in this league as a sub rusher. I mean, if if I don't see the difference between him and Adam Butler. And the Patriots kept Adam Butler around and I think might have given him an extension at one point. Um, but it looks like they, for now, and again, these, th- these things can change because um, we'll, and we should, we could know stuff while we're recording this podcast in terms of it. Did, did they get any claims? What have you? Um It looks like they decided to keep Sam Roberts, not quite the same position, similar position, um, I liked Roberts a lot. I liked both of them. I would have tried to find a way to keep both of them. The Patriots did not do that. So they picked one or the other. Um, I, you know, I, I really liked Ray. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised by that. He can play in this league. I would not be surprised if he's claimed 
and becomes a good player in this league. Uh, I'm just looking at my 53 and what I had. I had um, – so I had Sam Roberts out, um, and I had LeBron Ray. I had LeBron Ray as a tackle, so it's a little bit different. They decided to go with basically four guys at defensive tackle. Um, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't include Roberts there. I mean, I guess he, he's more of an end like Dietrich wise Roberts is. And so they're really only going with, uh, four guys in the interior. They're going with Godshaw and Davis as nose tackles. They're going with Barmore and guy It's a little skinny for my liking, but that's what they decided to do. And let's see, Cody Rusi, the center was a guy that a lot of people, uh, had on their roster. I thought he's a guy who's destined for the practice squad. Will Sherman would love to have him back on the practice squad. My most improved guy over his rookie year to this year. Uh, J.J. Taylor, a little bit shocking considering the uh, t- uh, the Ty Montgomery injury. Uh, that might tell you that, that Montgomery might not be out uh, very long. Hopefully that's the case because they really need right. him. Um, yeah. But I would say those are sort of my thoughts in the more – controversial picks yeah you know I wasn't I wasn't very surprised by the list of 53 I would put Humphrey in there as maybe a slight surprise because he played so well especially towards the tail end here but you know that you don't know um how much of that is who they're going against who they're playing against and 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 what you are actually running as an offense like I don't know how well and in depth he knows the offense right now but you know the eye test would tell me that little Jordan Humphrey uh, was somewhat of a surprise. I agree with you, LeBron Ray. Uh, looks like Mitchell might have kind of leapfrogged him a little bit, and they've decided, as you said, to, to stay a little skinny inside. Uh, Carl Davis is one of the dudes that I thought that might be gone if you were keeping Mitchell and or Ray, but, you know, Davis is, is there for now. So not many shocking things. Ference did some boneheaded things late in the preseason, so I don't know if that helped him or hurt him. I do think he'll be back because, you know, the belichick Ference kind of relationship, but not too many surprises. Uh, anything that actually shocked you, Greg? Because when I look at this, not really much of anything, I would say, shocked me. Devin Asiasi might be as close to anything, but nothing that really just made me kind of taken aback, so to speak. No, but can can we talk about things that piss me off? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we might as well go there. I mean, look, Jelani Tavai being on this roster – or really any oh, NFL roster. Jelani Patricia. A, it's it's a freaking travesty. And God, I swear to God, if LeBron Ray goes somewhere and is a really good sub pass rusher, meanwhile, Jelani Tavai's on this freaking roster, I'm going to be even more pissed than I already am. I mean, no, there's nothing shocking about this, Nick. You know why? Because this roster isn't any good. Like it used mm. to be, remember, remember when the Patriots used to have like a ton of players on the team where you're like, oh crap, they're going to get released. I remember one year they had like eight to 10 guys who were claimed by other teams. Like, I mean, the out of this group, the only guys who I think that stand a chance to be claimed that, you know, oh God, I have to have him. I mean, I'm going through the no, not Trey Nixon. Uh, LeBron Ray, Will Sherman, maybe JJ Taylor. Like that's it. That's it. You know why? Because the roster stinks. It's not any good. They're <laughs> they have no good young players coming into the pipeline. I mean, I was just thinking about it before. Let's just deal with the defense, okay? This is Bills. This is Bills' baby. The defense, okay? You know, Dietrich Wise is here. Because he's here, because Belichick loves him. I mean, he's he's an average he's an average player. Is he an NFL starter everywhere else? I wouldn't say that. Lawrence Guy imported. Barmore absolutely home run out of the park. Matthew Judon imported. Bentley average NFL starter. Raekwon McMillan imported. I'm just going with starters. Jonathan Jones, uh, you know, developed here. Yes, Adrian Phillips imported. You know, who I consider more of a starter over Kyle Duggar, but I'll give you Duggar, who in my mind is a little bit better than average starter in the NFL right now. Could he be more? No question. The talent is there. Devin McCourty, homegrown, on fumes. Jalen Mills, imported. Miles Bryant, he's here, but 
he shouldn't be an NFL slot corner right now. He should be like a sixth, you know, a, a sixth player on the defense. So that's just the defense that we're talking about. And that's the, that's the side that Bill knows the best. And there's just, there's a lack of, look, I'm excited about, I like DeMarcus Mitchell. I see him more of an, um, an edge guy, like a Matthew yeah. Judon type of guy, than say, um, you know, LeBron Ray. I like Sam Roberts. I think there's something there as a six round pick. I like him. He, you know, to me, his ceiling is being Dietrich Wise. He's the next Dietrich right. Wise. Which, I mean, I don't really know what that gets you. Um, All right, let me let me jump in for a minute because we do have some okay. news here. I want to throw in. All right, uh, that's come across. First of all, Mark Daniels from the Providence Journal, my old stomping grounds, Providence, East Providence. What's up, baby? Miss you, Rhode Island. Uh, Cam McGrone has cleared waivers. Uh, he'll be signing with the Patriots practice squad, so McGrone will be back on the pa- uh, practice squad. Good. Also, uh, you just talked about guys who who might be claimed. There has been a Patriot claimed. Devin Asiasi has been claimed. Uh, he is going to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So Cincinnati has claimed Devin Asiasi. Didn't they just sign O.J. Howard too? Uh, I don't know. I, I saw that O.J. Howard got cut by Buffalo. I didn't see if he went to uh, Cincy, but Asiasi goes to Cincinnati. And as of right now, uh, nothing on the Patriots claiming anyone as of uh, yet. I'm still looking at it. Uh, and I just saw a tweet from Chad Graff from The Athletic that says no waiver claims for the Patriots today. So the Patriots did not claim anybody. Um, McGrone has passed through waivers, so he will be signed to the practice squad. And Cincinnati adds Asiasi. I, um, it sounds like the Bengals are, uh, are holding some sort of tight end audition. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I saw earlier that, um, that OJ Howard was basically going there for a workout and like to sign that that was going to happen. So there's tight end issues there. A hundred bucks. Devin Austin visiting. Yeah. Uh, just to, just to make sure we close that a little loop there with OJ Howard. He is visiting the Bengals and he's expected to sign with them pending a physical. So you are correct, sir. Yeah. So to me, that was uh, them covering themselves. And I bet you Devin Asiasi doesn't um, uh, waste a week. So we're dealing with uh, this Patriots roster yielded uh, no claims from what it looks like, man, the bears claimed a lot of people. I'm just looking through a list real quick. (laughs) Aussie, yeah. Aussie. Leatherwood went to Chicago. Of course, Leatherwood was one of the bigger uh, uh, cuts by the Vegas because of, you know, obviously he was drafted in the first round just last year and he's already gone. So the, uh, Chicago claimed him. Yeah. So yeah, there were no other, no other Patriots yeah. claimed, not a big shock um, to me. I think that's a reflection on where their, their roster is right now. And the next shoot to drop. Like just to give you a comp and people listening to, to hammer the point that you're making. So people would look at the jets roster and be like, Oh, the jets suck. Yeah. Well, the jets had, let's see uh, one, two, three, four, five guys claimed today. Wow. So the jets had uh Jason Pinnock Pinnock. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, the safety uh, javelin Gidry, the corner, uh, Trevin Wesco, the tight end, Delshawn Phillips, a linebacker who went to the Ravens and the Ravens, no linebackers. And uh, offensive tackle Chuma Adoga uh, went to Atlanta. So just to kind of put a finer point on the one that you're making, the Patriots got one guy claim Asiasi, and that looks like it's going to be an audition competition kind yep. of deal at tight end for Cincy. Meanwhile, the Jets had five guys claim today. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, when we talk about problems and, and if this team goes south, and who knows, Belichick might be Belichick again. Like, you know, you're going to look at, you're going to look at the roster, the talent level and coaching. I mean, this is, that's the name of the game. And right now there are at least serious questions about how talented the Patriots are and what their coaching situation is. And, and so, you know, I, I just, I do like, I do think they're going in the right direction. I mean, I do think, um, let's talk about Chase and Hines for a second, because he's a little bit of a surprise. I didn't, I didn't mention him much this summer. He was hurt for a lot of the summer. So you yeah. you you wonder if uh, the Patriots are sort of buying him a little bit more time, and he is he could be a guy. And we're looking at if they got to move, if they certainly they have to move Ty Montgomery to IR. So that means at least one person's getting released um, and signed back. Um, leading candidates are Chase and Hines, uh, probably Roberts, Mitchell, maybe Sean Wade. Um, 
Sean Wade making the roster. So, so let me get back to it. So Chasen Hines is a good player. Uh, I liked what I saw of him in limited amount. Really, really quick feet. Looks like a guard. Looks like he can play in this league. I just didn't yeah. have enough data to go on, and I would rather go with Arlington Hambright, somebody who I saw a lot of and was comfortable with and can play tackle some. So, But I could see why they, you know, he was a draft pick, six-round pick, has some upside. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, Hines was a guy, please, people, I, I know what you're going to do. You're going to clip this or you're going to jump all over me. Before you do, take a deep breath. I'm not <laughs> telling you that Jason Hines is anywhere near close to this person. But when you look at body type, then you look at style of play. A little bit of Shaq Mason in him. Uh, you know, you, you saw some of it in the last preseason game from LSU. Uh, the, the knock on him really was injury. Uh, he did when he played, he played pretty well. And of course, LSU, you're, you're talking high level college football, SEC action there. And he's somebody that did show that he could get to the second level and, and be a pretty damn good run blocker when he's, when he's healthy. So I do think there's some potential with him when you see him again, he, he kind of looks like Shaq Mason from a build standpoint and even some of style of play standpoint. When I was watching some, some clips of him over the last couple of days, you know, when you talk about Heinz, Greg, you talk about a rookie and this roster right now, of course, it's the initial 53. So this can change an awful lot, and it likely will. But right now, they have 10 rookies on the roster. That, to me, talks about their lack of drafting uh, mm -hmm. You know, the last few years. They, they did very well a year ago. We'll see what this class brings. But when we talk about from 2018 to 2020, those drafts that really did not bear enough fruit that's when you have a situation, and of course, they didn't spend a ton of money this offseason because they spent a lot of it last offseason. That means you bring in 10 rookies on your roster. So there's going to be an, an, an infusion of youth into this roster. Almost one-fifth of the roster is a first-year NFL player, and, and that also goes to coaching. You know, you look at Jason Hines. He's not being brought in to be coached by Dante Skarnecchia. He's mm -hmm. being brought in to be coached by Matt Patricia. When you have one-fifth of your roster being rookies, that's going to lay at the feet of the coaching staff. So that's another layer to me that we have to pay close attention to, the development of these young guys under this staff. Yeah, for sure, um, Nick. I, and I think it's, it's you know, certainly interesting. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to compare it to sort of years past. I mean, I've been I've – been, I've been sort of, you know, waging a war against like Belichick in recent years to take more younger players instead of instead of veterans. And, you know, did he do more of that this year? I mean, I guess, um, you know, a little bit. I mean, I just wish the talent level was a little bit higher. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Cole Strange obviously has the talent to be a frontline starter in this league. There's no question about that. It's a question of when with him. Chasen Hines, six-round pick. Bailey Zappi, fourth round pick where, let's be honest, does he really need to be on this roster? No. I mean, it, not if you had another guy waiting in the wings, maybe with a little bit more upside. Pierre Strong, fourth round pick, never showed, never showed. That's a, that's a complete future bet because he never showed anything that he's capable of, you know, being a really good NFL player. He never showed that once this summer. Demarcus Mitchell, NFL body, college free agent, Sam Roberts, sixth-round pick, Brennan Schooler, undrafted <laughs> special teams, Belichick special, and you have Jack and Marcus Jones at fourth and third-round picks. So we're not talking about, you know, at least as rookies, you know, that, that the NFL reflected and said, you know, these guys are top-level talents. But, right. uh, you know, I, I mean, and I don't think either – I don't think a lot of them have a very high ceiling. You know, cornerbacks, we'll see. You know, I think – I think Marcus Jones is a little small. I think Jack Jones, with development and getting in the weight room, I think he could be a, a, a starter. He might need to be this year, uh, but I think, I think, uh, I you know, I, I just wish the Patriots were a little bit further along in terms of their youth movement because the the ceiling for a lot of these guys looks limited. All right, before we get into specific positions that we we might be worried about. We want to talk about cornerback. We want to talk about linebacker a little bit more in depth. First, Greg, tell the fine people listening to this podcast all about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it two months 
I love it. Too it much. doesn't taste like it's super healthy, has kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things that you love. I take it first thing in the morning. Now it's part of my morning routine, and I'd be lost without it. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or anything, while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up your ultimate daily nutritional supplement. So the Jets have had uh, seven players now claimed. That's a total of seven. Uh, The Bills have had four, and the Dolphins joined the Patriots with one. Again, just to go back and give you an idea of depth of roster and how the league you know, perceives and looks at these rosters from each team in the AFC East, the Jets, seven players claimed the Bills four, the Dolphins and the Patriots both with one. All right, Greg, when we look at the uh, 53-man roster as of right now, what position or positions are you most worried about? I'm horrified about cornerback. I mean, petrified at this point, especially going against the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. I mean, look, you have Jalen Mills who – um, nobody really, th- nobody around the league. I mean, he, he thinks that he's a number one cornerback. Certainly wasn't paid that way when he's free agent. Who knows? Maybe, maybe use the years. Maybe he is making the leap. You know, I doubt it. Sort of a guy who's been in the the, the NFL is co- sort of what he is at this point. Uh, then you have Jonathan Jones instead of being a slot cornerback. Now he's on the outside. Is he as good on the outside as he was on the inside? He's small. How does he match up if he gets, you know, if he gets matched up with bigger receivers? Uh, I think he's like five nine, five ten, you know, a buck ninety or something like that. And then you have Miles Bryant, who I love. Uh, you know, can 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 sort of fill a bunch of different roles in the secondary, but now he's your starting slot cornerback for now. And the last time he was seen doing that, he was getting torched by the Bills. You know, a lot of people that happens to, but it happened to him. McKenzie. Um, uh, Beasley, you know, he had a tough time. He had a tough time against the Raiders and Hunter Renfro. A lot of people do that, but you know, and then you just, the only thing they have, unless I'm mistaken is, uh, they have the two rookies. That's, you know, that's it. Um, where is Sean Wade? Yeah. Why is he not on this roster that I'm looking at? Um, it's an interesting – he made – oh, there he is, left cornerback. Okay, Jonathan Jones, I'm looking at our lad's um, depth chart, and uh, I missed it. So they have Sean Wade, who, you know, okay, you know, they traded for him a year ago. The Ravens – he was a draft pick of the Ravens. The Ravens were going to cut him. Patriots picked him up. Didn't do anything last year. Uh, flashed in the preseason this year. When it comes time to practice, he does not really cra- – he didn't crack the the – really the too deep – um, you know, to me, I kept Sean Wade off my roster for this reason. If there's an injury, who do I want? It, who do I want in? Um, Jack or Marcus Jones or Sean Wade? And I went with the Jones boys every time. Like I'd rather go. I'd rather go with a talented youth than you know. Wade's okay. He made plays in the preseason. Great in practice. He didn't do much. But I just think they're playing with fire at cornerback. They really are. You know, when when I look at this, it's just. Just generally speaking, because I, I think a lot of people will look at the 53-man roster. There's going to be a lot of conversation about how good this team is, how good this team might not be. I see a lot of people already waxing poetic on Twitter about how bad they're going to be. I see people saying, oh, don't, don't throw them out just yet. Here's how I look at it. You can paint a picture when you look at a roster and, and there's no games that have counted that have been played yet, right? You can, you can paint this picture of a positive light or a negative light. You can look at cornerback and you can say, yeah, there's a a ton of questions, right? I'm not the biggest fan of Jalen Mills, never have been. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Hopefully he does. 
when you look at John Jones, you talked about this. Jonathan Jones, smaller guy, going to play the outside now. How's that going to work? Miles Bryant is smaller. You got two rookies. Sean Wade's unproven. That that would be the 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 you know pessimistic side. The the optimistic side is hey, Jalen Mills played great in the preseason, and Belichick has proven to people before that he could take cornerbacks and get more out of that position than others can. And you know, Jack Jones was a guy who has a ton of talent. He was drafted late because of off the field issues, and so there's two ways to look at it. Generally, when I go into a season, because none of us have seen this team play an actual game that counts, it comes down to questions. And if you have a lot of questions about a certain position, you don't feel great about it, right? That, that's kind of the logical way I look at it. If you find yourself listing a lot of questions about each guy playing that position, then it's a question mark, which shouldn't make you feel great about it. So cornerback is a question, no doubt. Offensive line to me, Greg, you know, they're very Oof. thin especially, you know, at tackle, uh, they're, they're, they're thin everywhere on the offense. They're just thin on the offensive line. And we've talked about this before Trent Brown's injury history and his history of being, you know, there sometimes and not there other times you have Isaiah Wynn, who who everybody was trying to trade even up until like right before cut down time, what's he going to look like? So Mm -hmm. the offensive line to me is, is that's more concerning than cornerback because we've talked about this, that will affect, that will impact Mac Jones. And you already have questions about Patricia in the offensive line and play calling. You already have questions about Joe judge being the quarterback's coach. And now you've got an offensive line that has questions again. Yes. There is an optimistic viewpoint. Isaiah Wynn all of a sudden wakes up and he looks like the guy from a couple of years ago. Yes. Trent Brown stays healthy and he plays like he did. Like he played his first time around with the Patriots. Oh, when is good. Andrews is good. You know, maybe, maybe Cole Strange figures it out by like week five or six and he gets his feet wet and he plays better as the year goes on. But Matt Patricia, offensive line coach, Joe Judge, quarterbacks coach, all the questions I just brought up about the offensive line and the fact that they don't have a lot of depth there. That to me, that is the most glaring thing that sticks out to me about this roster is the offensive line scares the hell out of me, especially mm-hmm. with the coaching. And you're, I think you're going to rely a lot on Mac Jones this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you know, you, you look at the offensive line, and first of all, you have two tackles where you buy in and their compete factor has to be, um, you know, a question mark the entire season. Yep. I mean, I was already questioning it in the Raiders preseason game where I'm like, what are these guys doing? Do they even care? And it's not even the regular season yet, especially Trent Brown. And not exactly um, Iron Men at the tackle position. And then backing them up are two guys in Yadni Kajus and Justin Haran, who, I mean, they can't, they can't start in this league. I mean, they can't, I mean, they're only there because that's what the Patriots have. They don't have anybody else. There aren't any other tackles they can bring in. And on the interior, you're, you're backing up the guard position. I, you know, just assume they have James Ferentz as, David Andrews backup on the practice squad or whatever. So you have a center backup at guard right now, and they'll have others on the practice squad, maybe like an Arlington Hambright or whatever, but you're backing up Cole Strange, a rookie, and Michael Wenu, who is really playing out of position, with a six-round pick rookie who only was like in camp for like two weeks. And you're like, oh boy, this is – it's scary. I mean, and you could say the same thing about linebacker. Like there are so many positions. I, I will say I like – the front, the defensive line and the edge guys, like I'm, um, I'm fine with that group. There's I agree. Pretty much everywhere else. You know, they only have two tight ends. The team that doesn't have a fullback <laughs> that is going to the outside stretch run. And the Shanahan system has two tight ends. Like, so it's, so it's great that you bring up here? tight end. Like positions again, that we're most worried about offensive line is at the top of the list for me. But second was was tight end, and that might surprise people a little bit because you're not that you're thinking about other positions for whatever reason. But now after cutting Aussie Aussie, you have two guys on your roster. And Hunter Henry, he was relatively healthy last year, got dinged up in the preseason this year. He has a long history of injury. It, it, and you have somebody at John Smith. Again, we hope that they get the most out of that guy. We believe that if he is deployed the right way by this offense and the right play calls are made at the right times. He could be an impact player, but he also was almost a zero last year. And you don't have anybody behind those two guys. That drives me nuts. I I agree with you on the defensive line. Um, I actually feel pretty good about those guys. 
Yep. The linebacker yep. thing you mentioned, uh, this is my one point on linebacker. And I tweeted this out at Nick C radio yesterday. You came out after the draft. You had a chance to add a couple of impact linebackers in the first two rounds of the draft. You decided mm-hmm. to draft Cole strange and, and Thornton fine. Hopefully those guys work out. But when you did not draft Devin Lloyd and a couple of others, right? Yep. The logic, what they sold to us. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't draft anybody this year because we have Cam McGrone. Mm-hmm. And Steve Belichick came out and said, <laughs> you got Cam McGrone. You haven't seen Lawrence Taylor in action yet. This guy's running around the field, sideline to sideline. He looks like an all pro. And, and every, everybody lined up. It was like the Patriots knew what people expected and anticipated. It's like the Patriots understood that one of the pushbacks was going to be, why don't you guys draft a linebacker? And the wall of defense that was thrown out there at every stop, Cam McGrone. Cam, Cam McGrone is our draft pick this year because of his ACL last year. Dude got cut, okay? Even if he works out a year from now or two years from now, you still swung and missed because yeah. you put your eggs in the Cam McGrone basket. And Cameron Grown is not ready physically. And he might, might never be uh, ready physically. And you decided to pass up linebackers that could have helped you, I think, immediately. Absolutely. And, Nick, you know, you could say the same thing about, like, um, uh, about cornerback. I mean, we were all going in. There's Keir Elam. Like, if you stayed where you were in the draft, the Bills took him. He's going to um, – uh, Tredavious White um, went to IR. So – Kair Elam's going to have to start at the beginning of the year for the Bills. Like, they had a need at, at cornerback. They took the guy that the Patriots could have taken. Instead, the Patriots are left with, you know, slotting everybody up a slot. You know, Jalen Mills, you know, r- ideally it should be J.C. Jackson on a fat contract at top cornerback. Jalen Mills is your number two cornerback and Jonathan Jones back at slot. And, the, and everybody else slots back a spot. I'm fine with that. I'm ready to roll with that. You know, but this group, I'm not. And you could have added a cornerback, decided not to do it. Like you said, could have added a linebacker, didn't do it. Could have added uh, a nose tackle like the guy, Neil Farrell from LSU, that the Raiders took right in front of you, who kicked the Patriots' ass all week in Vegas, didn't do it. And offensive tackle. could have, we, we talked about possibly taking an offensive tackle early in the draft to protect yourself because of Trent Brown, because of Isaiah Wynn, because you don't really have anything in the pipeline after that. And did they do it? No. And now they're left in these positions where you're just like, do they really have any talent at those spots? Positions I like the most, just to end on a positive note before we move on to some other Yeah, let's things. be positive. Uh, we, we mentioned the defensive line. I, I think Dietrich Wise has shown that he's he's improved a little bit against the run, which is a, a, a positive. If, if he can continue that, I think he does have talent. We've talked about him. You talked about him, Greg. You were one of the first guys his rookie season. I remember. Yeah, it was like uh, you know, two days in. Yep. <laughs> and how he stood out. But it, it looks like he's developed a little bit here against the run, which would be great news for them. I would say that's fair. We, yep. talked, about, we talked about Barmore. You've mentioned this. He looks like he's, you know, improved against the run, and he's, he might be a three-down lineman. Yeah, he's coming for a three-down role, and he might he might be getting Lawrence guy's snaps. That's what I would do if I were the Patriots. So you've got I, – I think you're good there. You mentioned edge. I agree. I, I feel pretty good about edge. Jennings has kind of popped. Um, he popped early, hasn't popped as much lately, but at least there's something there. Uche, I believe if you put him in the right situations, he'll be fine. So I'm good there. And, you know, I would also say safety. I feel really good about the safety room. Uh, I think they've got a nice mix of young and old. I think they'll be fine at safety. Uh, I'm okay with running back with Stevenson and and, and Harris. I don't think you're going to get a better one-two combo and a lot of other, you know, places in the league. And relatively speaking to prior years, I also feel pretty good about the wide receiver room. I'm not telling you that they, you know, are a top five or or top eight or top 10 receiving room but they have more there than they've had in recent years. I would agree with that. I would say that I would term the receivers functional or capable enough, <laughs> right. you know, to move the ball. I mean, you know, the Patriots didn't have any, you know, great players last year and they were sixth in the league in points and they got expl- some explosive plays, you know, of course I mean, the offensive coordinator had something to do with that and we'll see about that. But, um, you know, I, I will say, you know, I do like I like the running backs. I like the quarterback. They have to do more around him. I have no issues with Mac 
Um, I'm okay with the receivers. I would love to see more tight end, uh, top end talent on that team. Maybe they get Thornton back and maybe he is that guy because they're sort of missing a uh, speedy, do everything sort of guy. Um, Aguilar's fine, but he's more of just a straight line guy. Uh, defensive line, edge, you know, I'm, I'm d- good with. I wish somebody developed a little bit more opposite Judon. We'll see whether that happens uh, with the guys that you mentioned. Uh, I don't love the safety position, but, um, you know, I I like the pieces that they have. I'm interested to see how it comes together. I think they're a little bit Why overrated. Why don't you love the there. safety position? Because I, I actually feel pretty good about that. Well, I, here's the way I look at it. I think that um, McCourty, McCourty is definitely on the downside of his career, and um, he's missed a lot of tackles this summer. Uh, he's really back there to get you lined up to make sure everybody's on the same page. You know, he's a decent enough player. He's not going to make any plays for you. So that's a declining spot for me. Do they have anybody in the pipeline? Maybe. Maybe Bledsoe's the guy. I do like Bledsoe. He's a young guy who really popped this summer. So that's good. Uh, Kyle Duggar, I think the jury's still out on what what kind of – is he an NFL starter? Is he – you know, what kind of NFL starter? To me, he's sort of been the same player throughout his career. And this is now going on what – this is going on year three for him. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. So I have, I would have liked, I, I would hope Duggar would be a more complete player by now. To me, he's still sort of a go forward one trick pony. We'll see. Adrian Phillips. I love, you know, I, I wish, I wish he had more upside in terms of just physical skills. You know, you combine Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar and you have like the best safety in the history of the game. Unfortunately, <laughs> their skills are split between two players. And then uh, Bledsoe's a future bet, but uh, I like him. But so, and then Jabril Peppers, Nick, I got to tell you, based on what I saw this summer, um, I have no idea why the Patriots guaranteed him $1.35 million what he's doing here. He's basically – he's not quite the divide of the safeties, but he's pretty close. And people around – I talked to other teams about him. You know, talked to the Panthers and Raiders after their practices. Hey, what do you think about this guy, that guy? They're both – both teams were like – they didn't understand what the deal was with Peppers. And, it, you know, they didn't think he was good in Cleveland. And they don't think he's – or New York or what have you – and don't think he's going to be good here. And they couldn't believe that him coming off an ACL, that Belichick guaranteed him $1.35 million, which basically guaranteed him a spot on the team. We'll see. Bill, no, I mean, Bill knows a hell of a lot more defensive football than I do, but I, I'm just not – I think he's a bit overrated. People like the name and remember the kid from college. And I think they'll, they'll be a little bit surprised to see what the actual NFL player is. A couple of things. First and foremost, uh, Peppers, look, Joe Judge guy from New York, right? Uh, but he is coming off of an ACL. I- I'm not going to go too crazy yet. I mean, he-, he didn't get off to the fastest start. They've kind of slow rolled him a little bit early on. So I- I'm willing to give him a little bit more time to see how he can fit. And, and maybe he comes around physically. Uh, the other part that we've been talking about is the, the waived players. Now, I want to be fair to the Patriots because, you know, they, they only had one guy claimed. But in fairness, when you look at uh, when you look at the whole league, Schefter just tweeted this out: thirty-three players were claimed today. So, in seven of those, seven of those came from the Jets, which I think does tell you the job that Joe Douglas has done. But mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about one player per team that's claimed, and you have a lot of teams that had multiple players claimed. So, the, the Patriots are not you know, that much different than a lot of the league, I guess you can look at that two ways. You could say, well, all right, they're kind of in the same bucket as a lot of other teams. So they're not, you know, they're not awful, but I think the point Greg was making earlier is they also have not differentiated themselves from the league. They would be the jets in years prior. They would have the team that had the more depth, in the better roster and they would stand out versus the rest of the league. So I, when you look at this roster, I think overall, and this should not surprise anybody, the Patriots are a team that's still kind of stuck in the middle and, you know, they're kind of in the middle with the roster, maybe a little lower than the middle, 
I think those are the expectations. We won't get into specifics until next week, but I think generally speaking, those are the expectations. All right, before we get to uh, the Raiders game, which we'll cover very quickly uh, because we're going along today, which I think is justified with all of the news and, and the yep. roster, let's first tell the people, Greg, about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines, fine reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. CLNS50. Uh, another news update here from uh, multiple writers on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody about this because I think a lot of listeners are questioning what's happening with him and they will know what's going on with him by the time this podcast is released. But little Jordan Humphrey uh, has officially signed, uh, according to a source, with the uh, Patriots practice squad. So I know a lot of people wanted Humphrey to hang Thank around. God. They, I saw some people concerned that he might latch on with somebody else, but uh, little Jordan Humphrey will be on the uh, Patriots practice squad. All right, before we get to uh, my thoughts on Jimmy G and your quick thoughts on Jimmy G, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this game, Greg, because it stunk <laughs> out loud. Um, I watched from South Lake Tahoe, which, by the way, if you've never been to South Lake Tahoe, I strongly suggest get your ass to South Lake Tahoe for like, at least three or four days, if not the full week. It's a lovely place, uh, gorgeous, 78 to 82 degrees every single day we were there. Uh, tons of stuff to do, restaurants, breweries, shops. You've got the lake. Um, don't take your dog because that, that kept us from doing some outdoor stuff. But uh, leave the dog at home. Go to South Lake Tahoe. You'll enjoy it. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. So I watched the game. It stunk. The offensive line wasn't very good. Mac threw an awful pick. The defense wasn't great. Uh, pretty much all phases, as Belichick would say, didn't really show up. Uh, any any thoughts on this game? I don't want to get too much into Miami because we'll do that next week. But any thoughts about just this game isolated in a vacuum and what you saw? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I people have probably heard me, and I certainly, um, you know, blasted the team off the game and and did the film review and all that stuff. People know where I stand. I, I think it was for anybody who wanted to doubt what uh people like myself i mean i was certainly the first one to do it but to sound the alarm bells about what is going on with this practice here here's the only thing i would say to people and i'm sure there are people out there who just want to you know put fingers in their ears and pretend like everything's going to be okay and it might who knows and go go if you want to do that that's fine but you know i say like this isn't my first rodeo and what i mean by that is I have been covering the NFL for 20 years. Yes. But in that time, I, I, you know, I watch camp practices. I watch preseason games. I've done it for multiple years. I've, I've learned lessons from covering teams, what to believe, what not to believe. And the reason I have been so alarmed with this team and you saw it on Friday night and you can believe whatever BS Matt Patricia is putting out there if you want. But the reason I was so alarmed and I'm glad everyone got to see it for themselves on Friday night was this is who they have been every single practice this summer. Like I, it would be one thing if the, and I'm not an alarmist people who read the site, people who listen to the podcast know that I am very much, I'm a prove me guy. Let me see it. Show me like, you know, one in three last year, I didn't panic. I didn't change my prediction, which I think yep. was, you know, 10 and seven or something, 11 and five. And they ended up, no, no, yeah, 11 and 5. 11 and 6. 11 and 6, and they end up 10 and 7. I'm always one game too optimistic. And yep. so I'm not an alarmist. And But I know the difference between – so I was – if they were executing in practice against themselves and then sucking in the game, which happens a lot in the preseason because you go vanilla and, like, whatever, you know, you don't really – I wouldn't – I wouldn't – I would have been like, okay, fine. You know, the, the games don't matter, which is what I hear from a lot of Patriots, Belichick loyalists on Twitter these days, games don't matter. Like, do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I'm telling you like the sky is falling on offense because of preseason games? Like I'm, I'm not an idiot. You know, it's because 
it's been like this every day in practice. They make the same mistakes. The same runs that were blown up the first day in pads are getting blown up against the Raiders uh, on Friday night. And so, you know, that's where they are. Do I think it could get cleaned up? Maybe they have to go back to basics. They probably have to play some up-tempo. Like, at least they have two weeks to rep, you know, your first scripted 20 plays so nobody screws up and, and you do it right. You know, could it get better? Yeah, but, you know, I, I think everybody would agree that I was I was accurate with what I told you. That's what I try to do. And, and you know, sorry it looked like that on Friday night, but that's the way it's been all summer. All right, let's get to uh, Jimmy G quickly here again next week. We'll, I'm sure we'll dive into the season, our thoughts, and all that good stuff. Um, Jimmy G, I've got three quick points to make, then I'll throw it to you and get, and get any thoughts that you have. I've obviously covered this situation closely out here in Sacramento. Um, yep. We're about 90 minutes away from, from the Bay. Uh, even though people think San Francisco, the Niners play in San Francisco, they do not. They nope. play south of San Francisco. <laughs> they play about an hour and a half to two hours south of San Francisco. So it's kind of like calling the the Boston Celtics the Boston Celtics if they played in, like, northern Connecticut. But anyway, I digress. Um, Jimmy G, no other options at this point. That That's the first thing that comes across my mind. The 49ers have been stubborn this entire time. And they have been unwilling to release Jimmy because that would kind of put egg on their face because they thought at the end of the year, and they thought through everything they've done that Garoppolo was going to bring back a really good pick. And everybody can paint this as, Oh, the surgery got in the way. Look, Garoppolo was never going to get them what they thought he was going to get them. You look at the other deals for quarterbacks the Matt Ryans of the world, uh, the Carson Wentz's of the world, Baker Mayfield very late in the process. The Niners were never going to recoup the kind of return that they were hoping they were going to get. So they desperately held on to Jimmy G through the summer, hoping that somebody or multiple people would get hurt at the position, which might strengthen their leverage, which it never was going to because you literally needed three or four teams to lose their quarterback. Now, if lightning struck and that happened, they would have been in a good spot. Lightning did not strike. So there, there just wasn't value in Jimmy. So the Niners held on to him this entire time and said, okay, well, we don't want to let him walk because we'll look like idiots because we held on to him for so long. So mm-hmm. can we work something out? Garoppolo on his end, I think he overvalued himself, right? Shocking, a professional athlete overvaluing yourself. I, I think he believed that as soon as he could have these conversations and Don Yee, his agent could have these conversations with teams across the league, that they would find multiple teams that were interested. And what they found out was, Hey, Jimmy, you didn't have a market. People didn't believe in you. You're always hurt. You're always hurt. And when you've played, you've been incredibly average. So it it was really kind of desperation on both sides. They made something work. I'm not going to forget point number two, Greg, I'm not going to forget what has been done and said. I mean, over the last few months, Jimmy G said, there's no way I want to go back there and, and, and deal with the situation again with a young quarterback and blah, 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 blah. Uh, we've had reports that, you know, somebody in the, in the operation in San Francisco leaked that Jimmy G was not communicating to the coaching staff, did not communicate to wide receivers, pretty much bailed on the team whenever he had the chance to bail on the team. That stuff doesn't just go away. They put him on an island the last few weeks where he's been practicing with random dudes in T-shirts and reportedly wasn't even part of any meetings this preseason uh, did not necessarily get a playbook th- this, this preseason for people saying, well, he's been there. He knows the playbook. The playbook's going to change with Trey Lance because they're completely different quarterbacks. So I'm not going to just erase everything that's been said or done the last few months. There's a lot of issues between these two sides. I think it's going to be incredibly awkward. And the final thing I'll say, especially because awkward with Lance You know, if Lance gets off to a slow start, there's questions if he's ready or not. If he gets off to a slow start, there's going to be guys in that locker room that are looking over going, hey, that dude, you might not love him, but he did help us get to a Super Bowl, and he helped us get to the NFC Championship game last year. I don't want my young top three quarterback that I invested everything into having to look over his shoulder week to week if he starts off slow. Don't want that. Don't need it if I'm the Niners. And finally, it's hilarious to me, frankly. So much pomp and circumstance over a quarterback that is so damn average. This Mm -hmm. guy is so damn average. He played three good games for the Patriots. 
He bailed on the Patriots, if you believe Martellus Bennett and Julian Edelman and many other people who were reporting some of this stuff back then that Jimmy G was worried about Jimmy G and kind of bailed on the team last second before that Texans game where they threw Brissett in and they had to run the read option on Thursday night. It was a disaster. He's incredibly average. I know Mike Giardi hates this. Giardi planted the flag a long time ago next to Jimmy G as if he was the next coming. He is not very good. When you ask your quarterback to throw eight passes in a playoff game, that tells you. I watched San Francisco a lot over the last few years, and I'm telling you, they handled with Garoppolo with kid gloves. They limited the offense. They did not believe that he could make any passes consistently beyond 15 yards. Everything was safe, everything. And he got away with a million mistakes if you watch the games. It's crazy to me that so much has been said about a guy who, if you're ranking quarterbacks in the league, would not be in the top 20. He might not even be in the top 25. This dude is average. He's average. That's what he is. And he's a backup quarterback now. We'll see if anything changes. Your thoughts, Greg? My big thing with Jimmy, and you're a lot closer to it than I, uh, to me, I read it as, I think, the way this this, uh, was drawn out, um, I thought the San Francisco 49ers were deathly afraid of Jimmy walking straight to the Seahawks and, yep. and upgrading them. I mean, that's two games, not, uh, you know, and I think, I think they play in week two. Now, Jimmy, would they have been ready? I don't know. But in any event, he would have made the Seahawks better. It's two tougher games during the year. They're in a tough enough division as it is already. And so I think that the 49ers, basically, that's why they were delaying this for as long as they did and hoping that somebody would give up a pick. Maybe there was an injury or something like that. And then when nobody did that, they I think they went to Jimmy and they said, look, you know, what what can we what are the Seahawks going to pay you if you walk over there? And we'll you know, we'll give you more like can you just stay here for a year? You give us protection keeps you away from the Seahawks at least for a year. You want to go after that? Fine. But I think they really to me, it was more about keeping him out of Seattle than than anything else. I don't necessarily disagree with that notion. I just, again, Seattle might bring him in because they got Geno Smith. Okay. And he knows the system too. And he knows the system. So, you know, Geno Smith is starting games for the Seahawks. Would he have helped the Seahawks? Yes, because he's better than Geno Smith, but that literally is only maybe a handful of teams that would have made sense for Garoppolo division rival. Yeah. I mean, I could absolutely see that. Um, I just think, you know, the, the value and stuff just wasn't there at the end of the day. And I think a lot of the NFL looks at Garoppolo the same, which again, he's average. Can he have, can he have moments of above average play? Sure. And he's had those flashes, but he's not a guy that has been depended on. Like he's San Francisco has been run game, run game, run game and defense and don't try to make mistakes. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what they are. All right, let's get to uh Boston member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ, $39.99 annual plan, top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports. And, of course, Bedard hits you up with the video analysis, coaches film, direct access to him, and weekly chats. Greg, what is the question of the day? Well, I decided to go more general on this just because I saw it pop up in the comments a few times. Like, a lot of people question why I go on Filger and Maz. Um, So let me just say this. Have you seen their ratings? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's number one. I mean, they are ratings behemoth. They just are. Um, Insane. Yeah, it's 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 unheard of across the country. The the, the yeah. sports talk radio ratings that they get. I mean, Nick can. That's Nick's realm. You tell him. Yeah, it's it's insane. They're rated. So you know, share is pretty much like the percentage of people listening to you at a time. Uh, and look, I can get really nerdy. I won't because the the system is a little shaquad. Nielsen stinks, but. Um, with that said, we're, we all go off of the same system. So, you know, Felgrim as the last share I saw, they were, I think they got a 27 one month. Uh, they hover well above 20. And that means that pretty much one fourth of every male 25 to 54 in Boston is listening to the Felgrim mass show. And to give you a, a comparison, New York, both of their afternoon shows combined to get you about 11 to 12 percent. Wow. So Felger and Maz's share more than doubles what both shows in New York do. So they are 
absolutely ridiculous. And, and I credit those guys. I worked there for a number of years. I know both of them. I know all of them personally. Um, yeah, I mean, they are they are the zenith. Whether you agree or disagree with what they do or say at a sports radio, they are the pinnacle. And no one, aside from the same shows that are on the station, because the other shows do pretty damn well as uh, you know, too, nobody uh, has come close to reaching that level that Felgram has had. Yeah, and so start there, and the amount of people that that gets, you know, it's it's a basically a free advertisement about BostonSportsJournal.com to everybody who listens. So let's just start there. Number two, uh, I go on and and I give my opinion. They what they say and what they do to me, I it's separate than what I do. I go on yes. there. I speak for myself when I'm on there. I when they say ridiculous things when I'm on there or that I perceive as ridiculous, I fight back. You know, but I give my opinion, and they let me give my opinion. They don't. You know, sometimes we butt heads. That's fine, but you know, and and you know, really, that's those are the main reasons why I go on there. I also get paid a little bit, which you know helps. But um, look, if you don't want to hear me on with Felger and Mass, don't listen. There's plenty of other avenues to get my opinion, whether it's this podcast, the the stuff I write on the site. You know, I do that in addition to everything else, and and it gives me and the 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 site a lot of exposure. And, you know, and looking at the comments, some people say, like, I wouldn't have known about BostonSportsJournal.com if it wasn't from Bedard on Felger and Mann. So, you know, you should be able to separate me that the, you enjoy on this podcast and BSJ and Felger and Mass. And the, other, the, the last thing I'll say is it really bothers me when people say you've changed, you've turned into Felger and Mass. Or, that's that's a bunch of bull crap. I've been the same guy throughout. And am I a little bit more opinionated than I was in years past, like say when I started the globe and stuff like that. Hell yeah. I didn't know the team as well. I didn't know. I wasn't as comfortable with my opinion. Um, uh, it, that, that doesn't mean I'm trying to be Felger and Maz. I think for myself, that's why I think I'm one of the best, if not the best in town at analyzing football. Cause I do it my own way. Um, but you know, to say that I'm turning into them, no. And you were like, Oh, well, and I, the other thing I hear from people is you've changed. No, the, what I want you to consider is what has changed in the last three or four years? Is it me or is it the level that your football team plays at? And like, you know, just look at it. What's the Patriots record in their last like 45 games? I mean, you know, go look it up. They have gone from winning 75, 80% of their games going to the Super Bowl every year to being a 500 team that battles for the last playoff spot, maybe win a playoff game. That's who they are. And, you know, and I think my opinion and my tone has reflected where they are. I think I would subscribe. The Patriots have changed, not me, but that's my diatribe. We are who we are. Um, I worked with Adam Jones for 15, 16 months <laughs> and uh, I love Adam. God bless you, man. People don't, people almost, you know, it, it was tough for them to believe me. And probably they still have a tough time believing me, whether or not like Jones and I got along. I'll, I'll say it again on the record. Jones and I always got along, always. From from before I joined the show, he was he was a guy I called when I went down to Virginia Beach to start my solo career because he had done solo work. Before I had gone, um, you know, down to Virginia Beach, before I had worked with Adam, during working with Adam, we don't talk to each other a ton after because that's just the nature of the business, unfortunately. Like, you just, you know, he's got kids, he's got a family, he works nights, I'm on the West Coast. Like, I'm not telling you we exchange texts. If something happened um, personally, I would guarantee you I'd reach out to Adam, and I'm pretty comfortable Adam would reach out to me. So I, I consider him a friend, and we, we always got along. On the air, we just disagreed a lot about the world of sports, and we, and we yes, look at did. it from a different yes. – yeah, and we, did, and we look at it from a different lens – and so some of those got, you know, some of those got passionate. Um, did I throw my headphones across the room two or three times? Did I, did yeah. I tell them to bleep off when we went to break? A couple times. But honestly, we, we go and, you know, we, we've had beers together and stuff like that. So, look, it, I think people kind of get, you know, sucked into the sports world. And I, I do and you do, Greg, and everybody does. And But I felt the same way when I was on Adam's show where – Adam had his way of thinking and, and presenting and, and doing his, his thing. And I had mine and eventually did it cause me to walk away in part. That was obviously 
you know, playing a role because I just, I didn't want to be doing that for five, six, 10 right. years. I, just, mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to do that. Um, but you know, again, opportunity and, you know, you do what you love and, and I, I just think, you know, people try to throw everyone in one bucket in this, in this media world, which is unfortunate, but that's what happens. Uh, he's Greg. I'm Nick. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this and gals because we, we went long, obviously, but I uh, thought it was some good stuff. We'll be back next week. As we get ready for the season, we get into a groove here every week, breaking down the games, previewing games. Can't wait for that to happen. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Athletic Greens, betonline.ag. Thanks to both of those companies and our friends for helping us out. Uh, it is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle.